welcome to a podcast from First Baptist Church of Alpharetta. Our hope is that this message leads you to know Jesus and discover hope as we pursue a Jesus-centered life together. Thanks for listening and let's jump in. Well, Merry Christmas and I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend it here with us at First Baptist Church of Alpharetta. And I want to say thank you for you and your family, but I need your help real quick for a moment. See, if you're, you're new here, you don't realize this, that here in the auditorium, whenever we kind of stand up for a message time, uh, there's literally, there's another venue across the other side of our campus that's joining with us as well, as well as many more hundred are joining online. And so if you'll do me this favor, we want to wish them Merry Christmas as well. So the count of three, we're going to do a big Merry Christmas. Welcome everybody else that's joining with us. Y'all ready for that? Here we go. One, two, Three, Merry Christmas! And we're glad that you're with us, whether you're watching live over the chapel or online as well. Is there any time of year that is more wonderful than Christmas? I really don't think so, right? I mean, think about all the other times that are out there. Like, nobody says, when you ask them, like, hey, what's your favorite holiday? They're like, you know what, Labor Day. I'm very partial to Labor Day. No, it's Christmas. It's always Christmas. Wonder is the time that we, this time of year is the time that we really celebrate wonder and see it all the way around us. Although I will say this, it's easier to see it maybe sometimes in the lives of our kids than it is for the lives of adults, right? And sometimes you see their face light up and all the parents can think about is the fact that they've got to go home and assemble a 123-piece toy before tomorrow morning, right? I've talked to a few of you before you're in here. You're up for a late night. I understand how that's going to work. And you know, to yourself like, okay, well, they're filled with wonder, but it means that I've got to be left wondering, right? And, and, and really, I, there's a story that kind of encapsulates the, the wonder within my kids and a time when I was a little less than wondering. It was about a few years ago. We were living in Birmingham at the time, and, and as we were there, my little girl who was four years old came to me and said, Daddy, I really want to see snow this winter. And I said, well, sweet pea, um, we live in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of snow in Birmingham. When Bing Crosby wrote White Christmas, he wasn't thinking about Alabama, right? Like just not what we do. We don't have a lot of snow other than the occasional snowpocalypse. And so I told her, you know, Chris, I just don't think that's going to happen unless we watch a Christmas movie. And she said, okay, Pastor Dad, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to God about it. And at that moment, I was like, I tried to adjust her expectations a little bit there. Okay, well, Krista, I'm not saying that God can't do it. I'm just saying that it's probably not going to happen. You know, it's not normally in God's will that it should snow in Birmingham or Atlanta or places around like that. So we talked about it a little bit, and then finally, she kind of got a little tired. It was time for bed anyways, and said, Sweet Pea, I'm sorry. It's just, I've checked the forecast a few hundred times. It's just not going to snow tonight. I put her to bed, and 45 minutes go by. My wife and I are kind of tending different things. You know how it is. You put your kids to bed. You're straightening up the house, getting the laundry all set up and laying back, getting ready to relax. And my wife gets up and she walks past the window and she says, Steve, uh, you're going to want to come here and see this. And there is snow all across the front yard, snow all across the bushes, snow all across our car, snow up and down the street. There was snow everywhere. And I went and I got Krista and Caleb and I said, guys, it's snowing outside. And Krista looked at me. She's totally unimpressed, totally unimpressed. She said, of course there is, daddy. I asked God to do it. And this is a picture from that night out there on the snow. Look at that. Tell me that's not wonder right there. Just cheesing, just loving her life right there. And the point of the story is not that you would pray for snow. Please don't. All right. But the point is, is that sometimes we go to a certain age, or we get to a certain point in life, and we really do lose the wonder. Not just the wonder of the season and the wonder and the magic that Christmas can be, but really the wonder of what God can do, what he is able to do 
that he is God and is able to do what no other can. There are two definitions to wonder, and I want to highlight these for us tonight. The first is this, it's to be astounded and excited and surprised. That's like tomorrow morning. That's like, I am excited. I'm filled with wonder about all that's going to happen. It's the, the music of the season. It's the miracles of the season. It's the wonder. I'm filled with wonder. But then there is a second definition that we know all too well, and it's this, to feel doubt. That point where you think, I, I don't know, I just... I just got to wonder, how's this all going to work out? I wonder, does God see me? I wonder, is he still there? I wonder, is he still hearing my prayers? I wonder how all of this is going to happen. And you probably felt the tension of both of those. In fact, you could feel them almost at the exact same time where you could feel filled with wonder and then also be wondering about something else that's going on in life. And if you've ever felt that tension, you, wanna, you need to know that you're not alone. In fact, that's the very same tension that we see, this tension of wonder for that first couple, the first Christmas story, Mary and Joseph, filled with wonder that an angel had come to say to them that they were going to be parents to that magical, amazing baby boy, the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. But then wondering, how is this all supposed to work out? And I want to show you that tonight in Luke chapter 2, that first Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And here's the thing. I know that for many of you in this room, uh, you're Christians and you've been followers of Jesus for a long time, or at least you've been around church for a long time. And it can get to a point where you kind of come into a church on a Christmas Eve and you kind of get, okay, yeah, I know what story we're going for. I know what it is. I know what the punchline is. But if you could just slow down for just a moment, I think we'll pick up on some things that maybe we've not considered before, maybe not considered in a while as we read through this together. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Here's what the Bible says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, you know the story. You know there was a census. You know there was a registration. But I want you to really put yourself in the seat of Joseph and Mary in a moment. And I want you to kind of envision what this would be like. It would be like you going out and checking the mailbox, and you get a letter from the IRS. That's never a good sign, right, when you get a letter from the IRS. And you open it up, and it says that you actually have to go, and you have to register in person so that they can charge you their taxes this year. Now, that seems like a colossal hassle that you should have to go to an in-person registration. But it's worse than that because then as you read along, it says not only do you have to go to an in-person registration, that you've got to travel to the city of your father's birth. That's where you've got to go. Like for me, that'd be going to West Virginia. I don't know how many of you have been to West Virginia in wintertime. It's not a happy place. It's like a black and white movie, right? But you have to travel all the way to the place of your, of your father's origin. And then not only that, but when you, when you get there, get to that place, they're going to register you. And here's the taxation rate, the taxation rate that Mary and Joseph paid. They paid 80% of their income, 80% of their income. And you have to do this immediately. You can't wait. You can't put it off until next year. No, you have to go within a two-week span or there's going to be a major penalty. That's what's going on in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Mary and Joseph find out that even though they've got this whole situation going, a baby is on the way, that they've got to go and travel of all reasons for tax purposes back to Bethlehem. And they've just got to sit there and think, God, really? I've just got to wonder. Verse 4 then tells us this, And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David. And the whole verse just reads almost like a hassle, doesn't it? Like, I had to go all the way up from Galilee, up from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. I've got to make this long journey. This isn't like a couple exits up, exit 400 right here. This is not what's going on. This is a 90 
mile journey that they've got to make, either on foot or if they could pull together the means, maybe on a donkey, 90 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And because Bethlehem sits higher up in elevation than Nazareth does, the entire journey is just about uphill the whole way. It's a difficult, arduous time, but it gets even more complicated as they continue to wonder. Verse 5, it says this, he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Nine months before this moment, an angel had showed up, an incredible moment with Mary, and the angel Gabriel told her that she was going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. God himself was in her womb, born to save sinners. And it was an incredible moment. And when Joseph hears about this, he thinks to himself, the baby's not mine. I don't know what's going on here. He thinks he's going to quietly divorce her, quietly break off the engagement. And yet the angel then shows up to him and says, no, no, this is real. This really is the son of God. So Joseph and Mary decide they're going to do this. They're going to have this baby. But now fast forward nine months and they've got to make this trip together. And Mary is very pregnant. Like the kind of pregnant, like you don't even want to get up and go to Walmart kind of pregnant, let alone go on a hundred mile journey. And they're sitting there thinking to themselves, my goodness, I I can't believe this is God's plan. I've just got to wonder what is going on here. And then it gets to this in verse six. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And this is not in a sanitary hospital. This was not Even in a hotel, there was no space, no empty rooms there in Bethlehem. It was so crowded because of the census. She has to give birth in a stable. Like some of y'all can't even go to the grocery store without using hand sanitizer. She gives birth to a baby in a stable, everybody. I mean, this is what's going on. And the whole time they got to think to themselves, really, God? This is the plan? Like this? You're the God of all the universe? You created all the, and this is the plan? For us to have to make this trip down here, away from friends and family, down here to this place, going to be sitting here in a stable and give birth to the baby? I don't know. I've just got to wonder, God, where are you at? Where are you at in all this? What are you doing? And maybe you can relate to that this Christmas Eve. Because maybe, maybe just maybe you're coming in here tonight. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know if you came with friends or family or someone invited you or somebody guilted you into being here or maybe you've been here every Christmas Eve as long as you can remember but but as you come into this room tonight maybe you find yourself in that same place of wondering like like this is just not what I thought my family and my marriage was going to be I just got to wonder God what's happening here God I just didn't envision that my career was going to take this turn I didn't know my financial situation would be this I just didn't think I'd be at this place at this point in my life I've just got to wonder And if you're in that place, this is the same place that Mary and Joseph found themselves. So it then says this in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laying him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. They take this brand new newborn baby and they lay him in a feeding trough in a manger. And as they're sitting back and Mary's exhausted and Joseph's exhausted and they're looking at their little baby in the manger, in the feeding trough, they got to think to themselves, really? This is it? This is the plan? I've just got to wonder God. And it's that moment that a guy walks into the stable, a guy they've never seen before. A guy that they don't have any relationship. He just walks right into the stable. What are you doing here? And then another guy follows him. And then another guy. And then another guy. And then another guy. And then pretty soon, there's a small crowd there around this baby. And they're elated. Like they just found long lost treasure. They're literally bowing down and they're worshiping this baby there in the manger. 
And Mary and Joseph are like, what time out? What are you doing here? How do you know about this? How do you know about the baby? What's happening here? And these guys who are shepherds look back at Mary and they say, you don't understand. Angels split open the night sky and they announced to us that this is the son of most high, that this is the son of God who's come to save the world from their sins, that this is redemption lying in the manger. And Mary is just sitting there. She's trying to take this in. She's like, well, how did you find us? How did you know where we would be at? How did you know we'd be here? And they said, well, that's easy. The angel told us to come and to find a baby laying in a manger. And man, this is the only baby laying in a manger that we've ever seen. And in that moment, as the shepherds testified to the angel's words and began to understand that this baby would have to be born in Bethlehem because hundreds of, pro- hundreds of years of prophecy had said that he would, and they began to see the pieces coming together to bring them to this moment of worship, they were touched. And the Bible tells us this in verse 18, all who heard it, what the shepherd said, what does it say? They wondered. They weren't doubting any longer. They were filled with wonder, filled with what God was doing in their midst. And the Bible tells us that Mary at this moment, though she'd been in this long journey and though she'd had to wonder and feel the doubt of every bit of the circumstances of the last nine months of her life, it says this, that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That we're pondering right there. If you go back into the original language, the Bible was originally written in ancient Greek. It's been translated in English for our readability. That word pondering right there, it means to pull together the pieces. It means to take all the pieces that seemed unrelated and how could this work and how is this supposed to fit and all of a sudden pull them together and realize, wait, there's one great big picture here. Wait, there was one great big plan here. I'm pulling together all the pieces and I'm realizing, no, wait a minute, God was working in all of those details. He was doing something when I couldn't see it. When I was wondering, he was working. He was doing something amazing. He was working in my wondering. And that gives us a lot of hope tonight. Because here's the question, what if God is working in your wondering as well? What if God is working in that part of your life that you're not quite sure how it's going to work out? What if God is doing something creative in the confusion? What if he's working in your wondering? What if he's doing something awesome When you can't seem to find the answer, what if God is working in your wondering? You know, most people, when there's a snowstorm outside, they run for cover, especially here in the South. Like, we don't like snow. We're not a big fan of the snow, right? But when there's a blizzard on, when there's a white on, I mean, everybody tries to run for cover. Nobody wants to be outside in the middle of that, let alone to be outside when it's cold anyways. Like, I just want to commend you. You came out in 20 degree weather to Christmas Eve. Give yourself a big round of applause, right? I mean, you did it, everybody. Come on. Here's the reality. When other people are running for cover in the middle of a snowstorm, there's one guy, his name's Wilson, who did the exact opposite. He would run out and he'd try to catch snowflakes. Even as a young kid, he'd run out there. Now, he wouldn't try and catch these snowflakes so that he could make a snowball or build a snowman or catch him on his tongue. No, he would run out there with black velvet and try and catch snowflakes as they were falling so he could study them, each and every one of them. And a few years after doing this, it became a deep fascination for him studying these snowflakes. So he purchased some equipment and at age 19, the year was 1885, he photographed the first picture of a snowflake underneath a microscope. 
and it forever transformed the way that we see snowflakes. You see, up to that point, I mean, everybody just seeing like this little piece of ice, little piece of kind of almost like white dust falling from the sky. I mean, what is it? What does it look like? And he put it on the microscope, and here's what he saw for the very first time. The world understood that snowflake looks like this. Never understood that before. That that little piece of snow in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the blizzard, in the midst of the whiteout, in the midst of the deep cold, is actually a masterpiece. A working of God's design unlike anything else. Over the next 40 years of his life, Wilson went out and he kept on capturing snowflakes. Over 5,000 he photographed. And here's what he said. He said, I never found two that looked alike. They were all designed differently. Each its own masterpiece. And you know what that tells me? Then the smallest detail of the snowstorm, God is working. He's creating. He's doing something beautiful. He's doing small miracles along the way. He is creating something absolutely beautiful. And we may not even be able to see it. It might not even be perceptible, but he's doing it. It's making it happen. And the very same thing is true in what we experience in our own wondering life as well. We may not understand what's going on. We may not ever understand what the answer is. We may not continue to have more questions than answers. That God is still working, even on the coldest nights and the smallest of details in our lives as well. Mary and Joseph didn't know why they had to go to Bethlehem. They didn't understand what was going on. But God caused an entire census across the entire Roman Empire to get him there, to bring him to the place that he needed him to be at. He was working in the details and in a thousand other ways as well. And if he did that then, I can tell you this, that he's still doing it tonight. The Bible testifies to this, that God continues to work in our lives. In fact, it says that he is working for the good of all those who are called according to his good purpose, those who love him. The Bible even says this, that that which is intended for evil, the broken places in our life, God can bring good from those things that he's working in our wondering. So I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe life is great. Maybe it's amazing. Maybe it's the best Christmas you've ever had. Maybe you just cannot wait to get out of here, go to dinner, wake up tomorrow and celebrate with family. It's gonna be amazing. Maybe it's the best Christmas ever. But maybe there's a little tension there, just like there was for Joseph and Mary. Maybe there's some wondering somewhere in there. And if you're a believer here tonight, maybe tonight was just to remind you that God is working in your wondering. He's still showing up in the smallest details. He's still doing a work. Or maybe if you're here tonight, maybe you're either over in the chapel or here in the auditorium or watching online, maybe you've never even known the God who wants to work in your life. You've never even begun a relationship with him. And you want to be able to believe that he's doing something in you, through you, for you, and yet you don't know his name. The message of Christmas is simply this. That God has a name. His name is Jesus. He came for us to do a work in every one of our lives. And yes, he wants to do a work in your life as well, if you'll let him. If you'll open up the door to him. And so I want to invite you tonight to open up the door to Jesus. Allow him to come into your life and do an incredible work, even in the midst of our wonderings. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight? And just in a brief moment of prayer, I want to give you an opportunity this evening. I want to give you an opportunity.
to call upon a God who wants to work wonders in your life, to call upon a God who wants you to know him, have a personal relationship with him. Not only did Jesus come so many years ago, but he actually wants to come into your life tonight if you don't know him. Steve, how does that even happen? Well, a relationship with God starts like any other relationship, starts with a conversation where you simply come to God and you say, God, yes, I know that I've made mistakes in this life, but I believe, Jesus, that you came to this earth, that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of my sins, all of my shortcomings, that you rose from the grave to give me new life, and that I can know you. If you would believe that tonight, if you'd surrender your life to him, then God would hear you. He would save you, give you an incredible relationship with him. Start working in your life in the most amazing ways. I know that not because I've read about it in the Bible, although I have. I know that because I've personally experienced it. And I know a lot of people in the room have as well. Tonight, open your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to do that, why don't you pray the words, this prayer that I'm about to pray out loud silently in your own heart, calling out to a God who sees you and hears you tonight. Would you pray this with all your heart to God who hears your heart. Pray this tonight. God, I know that you see me, that you're hearing the words that I'm praying in the quietness of this moment. And right now, I want to let you know that, yes, I believe I know that I am a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave to give me new life. And so right now, as best I know how, I surrender my life to you and I ask for your forgiveness. I want you to come in and work in me. God, I want the hope that comes from knowing you. I want to thank you so much for hearing my prayer tonight and for saving me. Now, Lord, help me to grow in this new relationship with you. Love you, Lord, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look right up here at me. I want to tell you that we are thrilled, all of you tonight that just placed your faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want us to put our hands together. I want us to celebrate those who've just trusted Jesus Christ in this place tonight. It's been awesome. I'm proud of you. We're excited for you about what God is doing for you. And in recent days, we've seen many people trust the Lord in the life of our church. And if that's you tonight, we want to know about it so we can celebrate with you as well. If you're online, go to fbca.com hope and let us know about the decision that you've made there. If you're here with us over in the chapel or in the room, I want to encourage you to take this card, fill it out. You can bring it up to the next steps area, the front of the room, either here or in the chapel or slip it in one of the boxes on your way out. But let us know about a decision that you've made or prayer requests that you may have. Let us know how we can be praying for you and support you, especially if you've made that decision to follow Jesus tonight. But for all of us, here's what I want you to know. You don't ever have to wonder if God is working. He is. He loves you. His heart is for you. So be filled with the hope that this season reminds us. God does not leave us on our own. He comes. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. And it's a beautiful picture of showing that God comes to each and every one of our lives. We're about to do one of the most beautiful parts of our Christmas Eve service. It's the lighting of candles. Why do we do candlelight? Because it signifies, yeah, the Lord has come to me and he's brought warmth and he's brought light and he has come into my life in the most incredible way to illuminate everything around me. And so I want to invite our ushers to make their way to the front, turn things over to Pastor Craig over there in the chapel. And I want to invite you to stand and get those candles ready. 
And as we do that, we're going to sing some beautiful Christmas hymns together, reminding ourselves of a God who came one silent night, one holy night for each and every one of us. So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I'm going to ask our ushers to begin lighting up this room, even as we remember Jesus has come to each and every one of us. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your incredible presence that you came not just so long ago, but you're still coming into our lives today, that God, you are working in amazing ways, that you're working even in the midst of our wondering. And so God, would you make us like Mary and make us like Joseph in a moment when we kind of think and kind of realize that you are working, that you are moving, that God, you would fill us with the wonder that we're supposed to be filled with this season, that you would help us to be excited, astounded by who you are and by what you do. We love you, Lord. We give you praise tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find your next steps and learn more online at fbca.com.